Good morning, Hope Church. Really good to be with you this morning. Pray and trust you had a really good week. Let's start with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you. Thank you that we can come together, be it online. Thank you for the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Thank you that you love us. Thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you because in all things you are good and what you do is good. And Lord, I want to pray this morning that you would speak to us, that you would encourage us, that you would open our hearts, that we might love you more. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this morning we continue our series on faith in action. This is week four or part four in the series. Uh, over the last few weeks, we've looked at how the word allegiance best describes a life of faith, that we must ally ourselves to Jesus Christ. We established that faith means in the main to trust and to have confidence in the promises that God has made and in who Jesus is. We looked at how faith releases God's grace, God's power and God's promises into our lives. And the amazing thing was that even a small amount of faith is sufficient to move a large mountain. We've also looked at Abel, uh, we've looked at Enoch and this week we look at the life of Noah. We go to see how faith in action in his life the life of Noah is contained in four chapters in Genesis, chapters six to nine. We're not going to read it this morning, but I'd encourage you to take some time this week and to read it through yourself. Noah was born 69 years after Enoch had ascended to heaven. That gives you a bit of a time frame with Enoch and with Noah. I would imagine 69 years after Enoch had ascended, he was still the topic of conversation. That's not something that you would experience every day. The sad fact is that the human race without God becomes progressively more evil over time. Cain killed Abel, and that was just the beginning of a downward spiral. Violence kept increasing on the earth, and when we get to Noah, some 1056 years after the creation of Adam, the world was on a downward trend. Even though it seems a long time, a thousand years, people lived a lot longer. Some lived over 900 years. So you get an idea that actually it wasn't a massive t uh, amount of time in terms of generations. Adam had been dead 126 years when Noah was born. And then 500 years into Noah's life, the world had reached this critical point of evil. Uh, we find in Genesis uh, 6, 5 to 8, it says this. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground, the birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Theologian John Walton makes this statement in his commentary on Genesis. The word for corrupt is taken up in a number of ways in this chapter. After its introduction in 6.11, God indicates that all people have corrupted their ways, 6 verse 12. 
As a result, he is determined, determined to destroy them, 6.13. He then specifies that he will use floodwaters to destroy all life under the heavens, 6.17. This use of corrupt conveys that the advancement of sin has reached its apex, permeating every corner of civilization. He goes on to say it is important to notice what is not mentioned in this context. Genesis 6 does not say that other gods are being worshipped or that the concept of God has become distorted. It does not say that people have adopted carnivorous eating habits, as some have speculated. It does not say that some transgression of boundaries between divine and human has taken place so that hybrid creatures need to be destroyed. That would have been the Nephilim. It does not follow the pattern of the uh, ancient Near Eastern flood accounts, which indicate that God sent floods because of overpopulation and the resulting noise that emanated heavenward from the clamour of unrest, protest or distress. And then he says this, Violence and corruption are the types of offences that have been illustrated in the text up to this point, so the conclusion is that sin has reached critical mass and divine response is now inevitable. Think about that for a moment. Violence and corruption. These heralded the end of the world and Noah's time. Does violence and corruption sound familiar? It's a real warning to us in our generation. This statement from God on humanity is a sad indictment on the human race. After only nine generations, they had become totally evil. And we must remember that when God created man, he said that man was very good, that all of his creation was very good. And yet after nine short generations, the very good has become totally bad. Here are a few thoughts or highlights on this passage. Judgment on the world took some 1500 years to come, but it did come. Many live corrupt lives in the world saying, where is this judgment that you Christians talk about? Let me be really clear, judgment is coming. God does not let evil run unchecked forever. You will be judged. We will all be judged. At his appointed time, Jesus will return and judge all people. Just as in the days of Noah, the world was taken by surprise, so when Jesus returns, everybody will be surprised. Judgment during Noah's time came in the form of wiping out mankind from the earth. But the second judgment, when Jesus comes, will be a punishment, will be casting all sinners into hell for all eternity. So we see Noah's life was at a time when man's wickedness had reached an evil peak. Noah walked a tough road, and more than that, he was one righteous man in an evil generation. We pick up Noah's account now in Genesis 6, verse 9 to 22. Actually, we're going to read 9 to 13 and 17 to 22. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. 
Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on the earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has the breath of life in it, everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with them. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. And then it says, Noah did everything just as God had commanded him. Notice how Noah was righteous. What does it mean to be righteous? Well, the definition of the word righteous says characterized by or proceeding from accepted standards of moral morality or justice. Basically, it says that he lived by God's accepted standards and by God's moral standards of justice. Now, he did this in the midst of a wicked world. Noah maintained God's moral standards. He did not capitulate to the evil moral standards of the world, and that's no mean feat. On top of this, Noah was faced with an immense task. God told Noah that he needed to make an ark, an ark that would hold two of every animal. Just think about this. The ark would need to be 450 feet long uh, by 75 feet and by 45 feet. This was no airfix model. And if you understand airfix model, you're a bit older than you look. Imagine if God had given you that task to build an ark, to cultivate all the food and be ready for when the animals come. We do not know how long it took Noah to complete this task, but estimates from scholars are anywhere between 55 to 75 years to complete this. That's a long time. That's longer than we work in our generation. This task was not just the building of the ark, but the gathering of enough food for a year because they were in the ark for a whole year. Hebrews 11 and verse 7 tells us, By faith Noah when warned about things yet not seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Noah's trust in God led to his salvation, and the salvation of his family, and the salvation of two of every animal. They escaped the destruction that came upon all humanity and all creatures. Noah's faith is the reason you and I are alive today. Without his faith, we would not be here. Noah's faith brought him into a covenant with a living God. Verse 22 in Genesis 6 highlights how Noah's faith was working in action. It says, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. So what do we learn from the life of Noah about faith? Well, we learn that the world will always be evil. 
Let me tell you, you will not change the world through political action, through social action. Uh, in 1 John, we are told that the world is controlled by the evil one. And at the back of everything that happens, he is there influencing in terms of what he wants to happen. And no matter what we think, the world will always be evil. It was evil in the times of Noah, and it is evil today. We might think, well, our world is not as evil as it was in the time of Noah. Let me give you just a couple of statistics. Every year, some 400,000 people are murdered. That's just over a thousand per day, or nearly seven every 10 minutes. Add to that that every year we murder 40 to 50 million unborn children. That's 125,000 per day. That's just over one baby killed every second. Every second we're sitting here, one baby is murdered by its parents. This is just the tip of the iceberg. We could continue with the corruption and the violence that is in the earth. Wars and rumors of wars. You see all of these things that are on the go. In the midst of all of that, we are called to live a righteous life. Yes, the world is evil. We need to recognize it is evil. We need to make sure we do not love the world. And a result of that is that we live a righteous life. We must live by God's moral standards, no matter what the cost is. And let me tell you, the cost is getting harder each day as the moral values in our society decline day by day and year upon year. To live by God's moral standards is going to cause friction and opposition from people who do not want to be um, convicted in their own actions when they see that we live a righteous life. But we are called, along with Noah, to live a righteous life. Remember that Noah was the only one in his generation who was righteous. Now here's the tremendous promise. God sees one righteous person. We can live by faith in the evil in an evil world just as Noah did because we know that God sees us. We know that God looks at those who are righteous, that God enters into a covenant with the righteous, that he blesses the righteous. We find that Noah believed God. He accomplished an impossible task. When you think about the sheer immensity of the task before him, a task that would last him over 50 years, a task that was physically taxing, by this point, Noah would have been middle-aged in his generation, and Noah's faith saved only his family and himself. It saved the animals, but there was no revival. And we find that Noah was the one who believed God. Noah's faith, his belief in what God had said, it led him to action. It led him towards obedience. For 50 years, he worked hard at fulfilling what God had told him to do. He knew it needed a miracle, not just to build the ark and get all the food together, but it needed a miracle to bring all the animals together without them killing one another. But Noah trusted in God. Noah's obedience was amazing. And I want to encourage you, keep going in obedience. In the face of all the evil in the world and the impossibility of the task, we keep going. We keep trusting. Why? Because no matter how insurmountable it seems, God will always make a way. Noah's faith led him into a covenant relationship with God. 
we also, through Jesus Christ, come into a covenant relationship with God. We no longer follow the ways of this world, but we follow God and we come into that relationship. Let me tell you that faith is the same in every generation. The what will change, but faith does not change. We often think that our lives are harder than those in history. We think that they can do extraordinary things. We read about them and think, wow, aren't they amazing? Oh, but we can't do it. Surely that is the crux of faith. Surely faith always hinges on us believing in God. All these men and women that we've looked at so far, everything hinges on them believing God. And what do they have to believe what God has said? But they need to believe it over what they see and hear in the world and in their generation. Often we have to act in faith without knowing the future, without knowing the outcome, but we know that we can trust God completely. We know that we can be completely obedient to him. No matter what the world is doing around us, we can trust his promises completely and implicitly. And then we will walk in the footsteps of those who have gone before us joining those who have been approved by God, gaining a better resurrection. Surely Noah's testimony to us is that righteousness triumphs over evil. I want to encourage you, take heart this morning. Yes, we live in an evil world, so did Noah, but God is with us. We can walk righteously in Jesus. We can overcome, we can achieve. And Jesus is with us every single moment of every single day. Let's pray together. Lord, I want to thank you that you are with us. I want to thank you that though we face challenges and a difficult world around us and evil increasing, we know that in Jesus Christ, we have the victory. We know that in Jesus, we have all that we need to live a godly life. We know that in Jesus, we have every gift and every resource that we need to get through this life and to make an impact in our generation. And I want to pray this morning that you would enable us, that you would help us. Give us faith today. I pray right where you are that you would receive faith today. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we bless you. And Lord, I pray as we go into this week that we would go full of faith, knowing that just as Noah served his generation, we can serve ours in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.